All right, so Lord, we just come before you and I ask for your words. I ask for your truths in this matter, Lord, as we just listen to you. Let it fall on our hearts and fill our minds. And your glory be seen in it all. In Jesus' name, amen. So here we are, recording number two for this, song, uh, this, this sermon due to some technical issues. And so it's actually an interesting dynamic here now repeating this because I have a week after giving the sermon and kind of reliving it again. And so I'd just come back from vacation and from a week of vacation with family and you know my kids, their kids, mom, dad, brothers, sisters, and just everybody in one house. And, and the, the, the funny, ridiculous thought is, is that vacation is anything similar to relaxing. And that's just not the case. It's, it's amazing how everything just takes up so much headspace, you know, packing, uh, you know, cleaning your house that you're leaving, then cleaning the house while you're there, getting food, ordering, you know, packing, packing, oh, wait, more packing, and then putting it in the car, and then unloading, and, and picking your rooms, and making the beds, and all this, and how is that relaxing? And then, oh, during the week when all of that's settled, you know, I have two kids, and they're loud, and they can be obnoxious, and, and to try and keep people who are not used to their rambunctiousness uh, from getting annoyed and angry with them, I have to police them a lot more than I would at home. And so all of this just adds to a frustration, not, on, not only on my part, but on my wife's and on my kids. You know, they can't, re they can't relax and be themselves because dad's hammering down a lot more to make sure that everybody else doesn't get annoyed with them because they're six and eight and they run and they laugh and they play. And so all this, just sitting on vacation, I'm going, where is the rest? Where, I'm, I'm more stressed here. And so I had to decide, I, I cut my vacation short. I was planning on staying the entire week. And I decided to go home early to get some relaxation, to get away from everybody else, allow my kids to be kids, to unpack and live in my own space and just calm there. And so as I'm thinking of this and, and reflecting on this, I go, after talking with a buddy, you know, he goes, how's your day going? How, you know, how's your weekend? And I'm like, it's busy. And he's like, are you really that busy? And, I, and it, it caught me off guard because I had to think and, and the thought was, the answer was, no, I wasn't busy. I wasn't busy at all. Just, I filled up my day with crap. With, with, with video games, with TV, with the, with the kids, with, with cleaning, house chores, everything. I just put it in and it all took up headspace and there was no room for the Lord. And so I just felt overwhelmed, busy, like stressed out. And I just needed rest. And so that was the word that the Lord put on me. So I needed rest. And I said, well, the best way to understand rest is to do it in the Lord. 
And so I spent most of my time in the underground this week, or the week I was teaching this, just resting, laying on the couch, napping, contemplating on the Lord. And then as I started to research it more and more, I got to that, you know, the famous part in, in Genesis 2, Genesis 2, 1 through 3. And it says, Thus the heavens and the earth and all the host of them were finished. And on the seventh day God ended his work which he had done, and he rested on the seventh day from all his work which he had done. Then God blessed the seventh day and sanctified it, because in it he rested from all his work which God had created and made. And so I was curious as to what was the importance of this word rest? You know, for me, rest, rest means one thing, but I wanted to make sure that when I, when I sought God's rest, that it was the rest that the Bible wanted me to look at. And so the, the Hebrew word used for rest in that is called Shabbat, which is the Sabbath which we're all unaware of being the Jewish holiday where they don't do anything. And that basically means to cease, be still, interrupt. And then what I found funny, and I decided not to do it in this sermon, but there are a lot of words with the similar base root of the Sabbath that just intimate about what resting in resting in the Lord is, resting, that type of rest is a very, very intimate rest. And so, to basically understand this rest, you have to look at the context clues in in the Bible itself. And what, what basically did the Lord do? And He stopped everything, ceased, He was quiet, there was no speaking. There was no anything. It wasn't a, the only thing he did was stop, and he admired. And what I found interesting was God was admiring God's work in creation. And so that's a good place for us to start, is when we seek his rest, is to sit, be quiet, and admire God's work. And then I realized, as I'm researching some of these, these verses and looking through the Bible, I'm, I'm understanding that this all seems so familiar. Like, I've researched this before. And so I went back through, and I did one of the most painful things, which was to listen to myself. Listen to myself give a message. And I realized that I had touched on rest before. And it was in, it was about the nature of God as a giver of rest. And so to quickly summarize it, it's basically God's nature is to want to give us rest. We fill our, th- fill our life up with so many things, with, with struggling to live, putting food on the table, safety, security, pleasure, We need rest because the Lord knows it. And then it 
that we enter God's rest and we can carry it with us. And that oftentimes when we are searching for and trying to enter into God's rest, we have, a, we have to struggle to get into it. And that isn't necessarily like, oh, God's putting up a trial and a temptation before us. But it's the fact that we sometimes put our obst obstacles in front of us to get to a place of rest. And so I'm here now giving this sermon a week later, and I'm understanding kind of just how hard it is to slip out of that place of rest. So I was at so much peace leading up to this sermon, and I gave the sermon, and it felt great. And then I stopped going into that rest regularly. And I, you know, I was in, in the week leading up to this, I was four days in resting, just resting in him and with such peace. I have not taken a moment to rest since I gave that. And so I, I start, the thoughts start to creep in of myself and, and is this message worth redoing, is, is all of it. And the fact is, is preaching the word, giving the Lord's word is 100% worth it. But I have some excellent, you know, understanding of what I need to do now and this stress. I mean, because right now I've, you know, before giving this to you guys, I was stressed out and, and, and struggling with where are the words? What are the words to give? What's the purpose and point? And it's just driving home yet again in my spirit and in my head that I need to rest. And I need to rest regularly to protect my mind, to protect my spirit, to fill me up again and not feel so emptied out. And so I want to continue with this, the, the, the rest, and I want to look at two different men in the Word. Turn to 1 Chronicles 22.9. And here is David talking to his son Solomon. And it says, Then he called for his son Solomon and charged him to build a house for the Lord God of Israel. And David said to Solomon, My son, as for me, it was in my mind to build a house to the name of the Lord my God. But the word of the Lord came to me, saying, You have shed much blood and have made great wars. You shall not build a house for my name, because you have shed much blood on the earth in my sight. Behold, a son shall be born to you, who shall be a man of rest. And I will give him rest from all his enemies all around. His name shall be Solomon, for I will give peace and quietness to Israel in his days. And so here we have Solomon. By the words of the Lord's own mouth, he's a man of rest. And then I want to look at Jesus. And Jesus was a man well acquainted with sorrow. Both men are kings. And if you look at Solomon as a man of rest, he was a king. He had riches beyond imagining. Silver and gold were like rocks. 
This man had prestige and knowledge, everything that everybody in the world would want. And this man built a temple, built a temple for the Lord God. And yet as a man of rest, the very end, all these trappings and the riches, at the very end, he fell away from the Lord. And then you have Jesus, a man acquainted with sorrow, but I would say a man of rest, who was a king, but didn't, wasn't recognized as a king, wasn't recognized as the Lord, but was only recognized as a carpenter and a teacher, not the Lord, not the king. But where Solomon built a temple, Jesus built a kingdom. He built a kingdom. He brought the kingdom of God to earth and set the stage of what it would look like, how the people would be treated. And through everything, through everything, all the trials, all the tribulations, all the people wanting to kill him, being killed, he stayed true. And that is only possible through a godly rest. You know, Solomon had rest. He never got attacked. He was rich beyond everybody's wildest dreams. He had women, money, houses, boats, people, servants, everything. But he ended up losing his way. Jesus, a king, crucified, persecuted, Twelve friends. And even one of them left him. And he still stayed true. And that's the only way he was able to do that was by going into rest. And you would see periodically in the Bible that the Lord Jesus would just go off on his own and sit quietly, not do anything, and just pray. And just pray. And so how, the important thing in this message is, is how do I get that? How do I apply it? How do I find it? All of these things, like what does a godly rest look like? And you go to Hebrews 4, 9 through 11. Hebrews 4, 9 through 11. For if Joshua had given them rest, then he would not afterward have spoken of another day. There remains therefore a rest for the people of God. For he who has entered his rest has himself also ceased from his works as God did from his. Let us therefore be diligent to enter that rest, lest anyone fall according to the same example of disobedience. And there I am being sucker punched yet again by the word of the Lord. Let us therefore be diligent. And therefore, Tyler was not diligent during this week to keep entering that rest. And so he fell into disobedience. He fell into struggles and trials and, and headaches and stress. Because he was not diligent to stay in the rest that he just told you about. 
So what, when we get this rest, what, what does it look like for us? What does this rest look like? And it's interesting because right now as I'm thinking about it, I'm stressed on all, I feel stressed on all sides. You know, between work, between housework, between family, friends, all these things, just, just not even let, they're putting pressure, it's just taking up space in my head. And then I think about David and how he, as the Lord said, he was a man of war. He was surrounded on all sides by enemies. He waged war his entire life. And yet in Psalm 3 verse 5, Psalm 3 verse 5, I lay down and slept. I awoke for the Lord sustained me. I will not be afraid of ten thousands of people who have set themselves against me all around. This is what a godly rest does. It sustains you in the midst of being surrounded by your issues and problems. Something I need to know right now. It sustains me. I mean, it just, again, brings back the same verse. He makes a table before me, before, in, for me before my enemies. But here's a man who's well acquainted with struggles. Even his own household was against him. And this man knows to enter the rest. Psalm 23. Psalm 23, verse 2 and 3. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. For his name's sake. To show me constantly he is who he says he is. He will do what he says he does. He takes me and makes me lie down in green pastures, meaning I have peace, I have enough, I have everything before me that I could need. In the paths of righteousness. But yet again, if we look back, you go back to Hebrews, it says, beware, if you don't enter that rest, you'll fall away into the paths of disobedience. So we, when we seek it, we find these amazing pastures. We find fulfillment. We find being filled in our spirit, in our soul, all of it. You know, the cares of, not be, of being hungry fall away because before us, the pastures are green. And then when you find yourself in a place of godly rest, you can do what Jesus did. 
And so it, it, if you look back at you know, the verse where Jesus and the disciples and Jesus is sleeping in the boat and the disciples are freaking out because this is a storm. And these are, you know, hardened fishermen. They've been on the sea before. They know what a storm looks like. Yet this has them worried. And so many times we look back at uh, when the sermon is, when, you know, when this, when this uh, Bible verse is brought up, we, we see that it's more a lack of faith. It's taught as a lack of faith on the disciples' part portion. But when we look at Christ, he's sitting in this place of God's rest. I mean, he's literally asleep, and the storms of the world are threatening to swamp the boat, and he is solidly at rest. They have to go and wake him. The thunder, the lightning, the rain was not waking him up. And because he wasn't in a place of rest, he gets up and he looks at the world and he calms a storm raging around him. And I have to believe that when I enter this rest, when I enter and fill and am filled, I can take that rest and speak those words, let the Lord calm the storms around me. So you know and understand that this is what a godly rest looks like and will, will do for your life and mine when I practice it. But I hear you asking in your head, how, where, what am I supposed to do? Where is the practical application that I need to make sure that I am quote-unquote properly getting into this place of rest? And so if you turn to Exodus 31, Exodus 31 verse 17, The Lord says, Therefore the children of Israel shall keep the Sabbath, to observe the Sabbath throughout their generations as a perpetual covenant. It is a sign between me and the children of Israel forever. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, and on the seventh day he rested and was refreshed. A covenant forever. A covenant forever. That word forever with God means a lot. It means a lot. It's not today, tomorrow. It's not going to stop in 40 years when you, you rotten generation forget me again. The Lord is faithful through the generations. So this covenant is meant to be kept forever. And we are grafted into the, the, the root and the tree of Israel so we can partake of the blessing of the covenant of rest. It is a sign forever. It didn't end with the Old Testament. It didn't 
end with Jesus Christ on the cross. Didn't end. It is forever. And this is a blessing that we need forever to enter this rest of God. That's the easy part. Here's the even easier part. Getting into this rest is simple. So, so simple. And that's the funny thing, is after studying this, this rest in the, in the Lord from two years when I gave the giver of rest, two years later, learning this simple lesson that there is, I don't have to do steps to enter the rest because the rest found me. If you want to turn with me to Mark 2. Mark 2, 23 through 28. Now it happened that he went through the grain fields on the Sabbath, and as they went, his disciples began to pluck the heads of grain. And the Pharisees said to him, Look, why do they do what is not lawful on the Sabbath? But he said to them, Have you never read what David did when he was in need and hungry, and he and those who were with him? How, they, how he went into the house of God in the days of Abiathar, the high priest, and ate the showbread, which is not lawful to eat except for the priests, and also gave some to those who were with him. And he said to them, The Sabbath was made for man and not man for the Sabbath. Therefore, the Son of Man is also the Lord of the Sabbath. And Jesus found me. So once I accepted Christ, the Sabbath is in me. The rest is in me. I just need to let it do its purpose. You know, I tend to put all these, new, these rules on it. And, and, you know, if you look at the, the verse, it says, And the Pharisees said to him, Look, why do they do what is not lawful on the Sabbath? And the Lord's like, you made all these rules. You made all these rules. God told you to rest. Pretty sure it's one of the Ten Commandments. And if it's one of Ten Commandments, it's a pretty important rule to keep. But the Lord didn't say, Keep the Sabbath, and now here's 110 ways to keep the Sabbath. He said, keep it. Rest. Admire what God has done. Be refilled in your spirit, in your body, in your soul for the next week. To weekly come before the Lord and let Him fill you, because that's what He wants to do. And to me, what the Pharisees did is the same thing that I do. Make excuses, make up rules, set limits and boundaries on how and when and what and everything else for rest and what that means. 
And Jesus is right here saying, I'm the Lord of the Sabbath. If you have accepted me, I'm right here. That rest, the rest of God, the one that is so peaceful, the one that he declared for me is available. I don't have to go seeking it. I don't have to do anything. I just have to abide in it. And so that's a, it's, a, it's a hard lesson to, to, to internalize because we, want, we think we need to earn a whole lot of things. You know, how often do we keep trying to earn God's love and like, he, like He could love me a little bit more? You know, how often do we try and earn His mercy and His grace? And this is just one more thing that I try to earn. Like if I work really hard at seeking and doing things for the Lord, then when I enter that rest, it's going to be better than if I hadn't. And the truth is, that's not. It's not possible. The Lord doesn't change or add. He doesn't hold back from us as His children. So if I go seeking His rest with nothing but a need and a desire and tears on my face, He gives it to me over and abundantly. My cup overflows. He doesn't withhold any of it. And if I go to Him after serving the Lord and preaching a message and ministering, He gives me the same amount of rest. He fills me to overflowing. So stop putting rules. Stop putting blocks and walls and hoops and and bars to jump over and go under. Take them all away. Because entering the Sabbath is as easy as asking. Lord, I am here. I am seeking your rest. May I have some. And he'll say, have it all. And I will tell you that when you enter that rest, when you really truly live in that rest, I have laid my head on that pillow and been gone what feels like hours. And it's only been 15 minutes. And then there's other days when I have laid seeking him, resting, and I have been out for an hour. And it felt like five minutes. Time means nothing to the Lord. Time with me means everything to the Lord. And if if the Lord of the universe, the God that created everything, wants time with me and values it so much, shouldn't I in turn value my time with Him in rest? Shouldn't I not value it so much more Like my life depends on it. And then the question to myself is, do I value it? And after a week after preaching this, I can tell you, I didn't. 
I didn't. And so I'm going to get my head right. I'm going to internalize this message, take it to heart, take it to my spirit, and make sure that I am setting apart time to enter rest, enter the presence of my God, and let him fill me and protect me and keep me on the paths of righteousness. Because as I've seen, when I'm not in rest, I fall away into paths of disobedience. So it's as simple as asking. So just do it. Just ask. Because that's what he wants to do. He is the giver of rest. And he wants you to rest like he rests. So Lord, your words, I hope were spoken and not mine. Thank you for your word. It's more valuable than I could ever know. Your lessons are more valuable than I could ever know. And I thank you for this being a nice lesson and a wake-up call for me to internalize this, Father. So let your rest just fall on us. Let your rest just follow me as we go about our days, Father. And Lord, we submit to you in this time, in Jesus' name.